With 25% off all new and up to 70% off previously leased furnishings, do you really need a better reason to party? We don't think so. Come visit our new Court Furniture Clearance Center with more than 9,000 square feet of new and previously leased furniture and decor for your home and office. Sofas from $199.99, bedroom sets from $399.99, dining sets from $299.99, and more. Free food, prizes, and fun all weekend long at our Chandelier Court Furniture Clearance Center at 13946 Lee Jackson Memorial Highway or go online at courtclearancefurniture.com. Welcome to the Monkeys Fighting Robots podcast with Matthew Sardo. Take your stinking paws off me, you damn dirty ass. <laughs> Holy sh! They're actually monkeys fighting robots! You can follow us on Twitter at monkeys underscore robots and on Instagram at monkeys fighting robots. Make sure to download and review our podcast from iTunes and Stitcher. And now, here's your host, Matt. Welcome to the 117th episode of Monkeys Fighting Robots. Today's show is going to be Mammoth. EJ and I are talking about movies. Period. I'm your host, Matthew Sardo. I'm also the co-founder of MonkeysFightingRobots.com. Joining me in the banter is my co-host, movie critic EJ Marino. I'm really, really hyped for this episode. I think we're... we're our little pre uh, little pre fist fight before this was hot. It's gonna be crazy. So if you guys like this show, please subscribe to Block Talk Radio and give us some comments because we will give you feedback. And this argument is like perfect for comments. And if you like our show, review it on iTunes. That's how iTunes pushes us up the list here and there. And then also, I just noticed that we're getting a whole bunch of comments on Blog Talk Radio, but I wasn't getting. A notification. So I'm going to go through and answer all the comments. Oh, awesome. That sounds... We love to, we love comments. So please, this this is perfect. But there's a lot of shit that happened over the weekend, buddy. I mean, this has been a pretty hectic... I, not even just the weekend. I want to say like midweek last week is when things just started picking up. And like the world of pop culture and like news. And it's getting, it's getting crazier. You went to WrestleCon over the weekend... And then you got to meet some wrestlers, and then WrestleMania happened. Excited, not excited after WrestleMania? Well, the WrestleCon weekend was awesome. It is like a convention, like a Comic-Con or anything like that, but just exclusively for wrestling, which is so cool to see like wrestlers from the past and the future. I got to meet Joey Ryan, who is doing a comic book that we are supporting on Monkeys Fighting Robots because it looks awesome. Um, so yeah, it was really fun. And then WrestleMania... It was WrestleMania. It's WWE. Like as much as I like the bash the like the Marvel and stuff. And, like WWE is the Marvel of the wrestling world. Where like they they do the biggest and coolest spectacles, but sometimes they mess up on the story. And I'm like, cool, this was good. Eh, story sucked. Eh, eh. But Undertaker retired, which is like the biggest pop culture news in the wrestling world. Is a legend retired in our industry at WrestleMania. It's pretty interesting. Tom Chang, one of the writers of Monkey's Fighting Robots, he wrote an article saying that the WCW needs to come back within the WWE. What are your thoughts on that? Um, well, the last time WCW was here, it, 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 it's obviously not around for a reason. WWE still is. Um, I, I think we have NXT, which is the developmental and the second brand within WWE. We don't need WCW. I don't want to see a bunch of 50-plus wrestlers like go and try to fight it's like we don't need to see the movie the wrestler played out in real life weekly and you're not a fan of the attitude era either no i i i 
the, the characters in the Attitude Era are always the best, but the in-ring wrestling, which I'm a big fan of, I can see wrestling with no storyline at all and just see, like, two guys beat the hell out of each other beat the hell out of each other and tell a story that's fine but no no i'm not a fan of that so i let's go to the future let's stop trying to be the past what is the future uh the future is a lot of these newer guys it's a lot of like what i've noticed with newer wrestling is they're taking what they do in film with like stunt choreography and moving it into the actual matches and that's so awesome to see yeah but you talk about the future and then they're like I, I was watching The Walking Dead, and then I get an email alert. The Hardy Boys are coming back. And I was like, what? Well, the Hardy Boys have been interesting. As relevant as they were in, like, early 2000s is Matt Hardy's done this new where he's broken, and he's kind of a crazy person and talks with an accent and talks about deleting people. He's gotten crazy. So he's he's reinvented to what wrestling is now. So that's all I'm talking about is we have to keep progressing forward. They're not trying to be the old Hardy Boys that once were – they're they're moving to the future, and I think that's what I want to see more. Is everyone wants to go back to the heyday of something, and why don't we make a new heyday? Is Lita coming back? Lita part of the Hardy Boys? She was, and she's yeah, she's there as like a commentator. Like she does a lot of like what ESPN does with like the panels and the sports analysis. She's one of those now in the wrestling world. Transitioning to movie news. What the fuck happened with it, and why is it breaking records? Because I watched it, and I was like, I'm scared, never watching it again. Who's watching this thing over again? You know what's so funny? I said it the first time, too, because I'm not a big clown person, and I was just like, oh, this It trailer's cool. I don't want to watch this again, because there's that part where he's like running at them at the end, and I'm like, nope, 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 this is over with. I don't want to see this movie. And then I was just like, but I want to show this. It's like the ring, like that tape in the ring where it's just like, I have to show this to other people now. I have to curse other people's day with this like crazy clown. 200 million views in the first 24 hours is ridiculous. Like they just beat the record, which was like 137 million, which was the fate of the Furious trailer. And now they beat it with like almost 200 million. I think it's like 198 point something. And it's so awesome. I, I just think it's so cool that a horror trailer really like sparked people like this. Clowns, man. Clowns just create. Like I watched it and I was like, oh, this is going to be. Like the R-rated version of Goonies, and it's gonna creep the shit out of me. Like I'm still crazy. Like I just think about it. It's like, oh, like I'm on IMDb right now during the during the podcast, and there's the red balloon, and you see the smile underneath, and I was like, why, why, why do they have to have this ad up here, man? Seriously. I, that's what I can't wait for is the marketing. I know last year we had like around the nation was like the whole clown crisis almost. Yeah, there's or- like clowns wandering around. Which was so funny that everyone thought it was like a marketing gimmick for this movie, but I just think it's so funny that like no matter what, clowns will always be scary. As like far back as John Wayne Gacy, the clown killer, to Pennywise in the '90s thing, it's just clowns are there. Clowns are scary, and I'm gl- so glad it's tapping into that fear all over again. You had American Horror Story with the clown, like that was a whole nother clown. That yeah, that was because usually scary clowns don't bother me. That's what's so funny with clowns is like if you're purposely trying to look scary. Yeah, whatever. You you don't really. But then that was the first one that I'm like, you look terrifying, disgusting, and I'm scared of you. Because, no, it's those happy clowns that get me. It's the original Pennywise where it's just like Tim Curry and like, oh, look at that little clown outfit. And then you see his fangs. And I'm like, nope, out of here. Same thing with this new it. Like, he looks like a normal clown at first. And then you're like, mm, I don't like you. And then on Tuesday, controversy. 
in the soda world happened. Statements you never thought you would say. Because <laughs> it was one of those days where I was, I forgot what I was doing. I was probably working. And then I was just like, my phone kept blowing up with Pepsi this, Pepsi that. And then yesterday I was like, all right, let me see what the, the what's going on in the world. And once I saw it, it was like Pepsi controversy, outrage, Kardashian. I was like, it's hitting all the notes that I'm just like turning my brain off to. And then I watched it and I was like, this is a three minute commercial. One, this is never going to air. It's just on, it's on YouTube. Did they make like a smaller version of it? I think they did make like the, what would have been the TV spot. Cause it is pulled now. No more of this commercial existing, but I do think they had like a 30 second TV spot version. And then this leads into, we, we had this conversation yes, last week about, like nerd rage and everything like that. Like, is this is this more that nerd rage or what's going on here? Oh, this is this is far more than nerd rage. Like, I know you think it is a, a it's an outrage of people just getting pissed for being pissed, but I do think there is a reason for being angry at this. Do I think we need to boycott Pepsi? No, we just need to tell them this is not how you do this. This is you trying to get a message across. And it's it's not the right message, and you kind of failed at it. And why did they fail at it? I think they... I'm trying to figure out. One, the use of a Kardashian slash Jenner is always going to be risky. Like, as much as they sleep with black men, they are not black. You you can't... (laughs) It's hard. Like, I... And I don't mind them. I don't hate them. But they are a, like, like, a lightning magnet for crazy controversy. No matter what they do... They just bring attention. That's their first mistake. Don't use them. Like, there is other relevant young people, like Zendaya even, who's going to be in the Spider-Man Homecoming film. Uh, She's awesome. She's a really outspoken young black girl, same age demographic as Kendall Jenner was. And she could have done much more with this commercial. So they used the wrong person. And it, it... it just I don't want to say they're capitalizing on a on a real life thing with police brutality or anything like that, but it just felt so like, oh, that can of Pepsi really did end like racism. Thanks, Pepsi. Thanks, like Kendall Jenner. It was just weird. It it just felt kind of tasteless where if they wanted to do it, it could have been done better. And also not three minutes. Like you said, that's not that's not, it's not a commercial anymore. You made a short film. I know. I was like, this is a short film. And I was like, OK. Was I was like, there's the film, there's the Indian filmmate, there's the Indian photographer girl, there was the guy playing the violin or the bass, like the Asian guy, and then there's the the see, Kardashian, another- the Kardashian and the wig. I was like, okay, and then I guess to a global like, because Pepsi's a global company, and then, so I'm trying to figure out like, are people getting upset in England, or people upset in China, or people upset in australia kind of thing i'm i don't know um i i don't know because you know we don't really hear about the the actual idea of police brutality with people of color in other countries as much where we it is a big problem here it's been a problem here for a couple of years now if not decades even going back to the rodney king situation it just feels it just feels odd that this was their attempt at it and like i said if this was the one time to deliver a message, God forbid, none of these ignorant people would ever pay attention to any, you know, like a Colin Kaepernick trying to do this message. And everyone's just like, oh, he's stupid. He might as well just sit on the bench. Don't talk. Don't speak. This was the one time we could have got a message across to people who would have normally flipped the channel. And they just they just kind of dropped the ball. 
like I said, if using a young girl of color, the same commercial with a young girl of color would have been a far different reaction. No one would have cared. This is where, okay, so the Kardashian thing is upsetting for one reason, but like the thing that bothers me the most out of this commercial, like I, I, I'm I'm bothered by it because like Pepsi sponsoring rallies or protests, like that's what it looked like to me. I was like, oh, all the signs were in a different color. I was like, this is kind of belittling protests, that part. And then I get the message of like, handing the Pepsi to the cop and being like, oh, the cop is, you know, drinking the Pepsi. Like, I understand what they were trying to do with this message. And I definitely think that they failed on it. And people will get fired and people will lose their jobs. My issue that I'm starting to have is I'm reading it. I watched the commercial and I'm, I think I was flipping through the New York Post. And then so I watched the commercial and then I flipped to the next article. The next article is class action lawsuit because people are suing because they're, the bag of chips are not full. And I'm like, okay, we're so dumb that we don't understand three ounces or two ounces of chips in in a bag. And then you're upset that they're empty and you feel like it's misleading. I My brain just thinking for two seconds understands why the bag is full of air so it doesn't get crushed and you don't have crushed chips because... If they make smaller bags, your chips all get crushed. And I was just like, okay, we have outrage on Pepsi. We have stupidity with bags of potato chips. I'm like, what the fuck is going on kind of thing. Those are two different situations, though. Yes, they both involve a soft drink and or like consumer product. But someone arguing about a message, I hey, I think our bags of chips should be a little fuller. That's a different argument. But no, I think people complaining and doing a stupid class action lawsuit and wasting the justice system on that is dumb. But people being mad that Pepsi fucked up on a message that they were trying to deliver representing an entire group of color and a situation that's really important. Those are two really different things. Yes, they're both outrage, but I don't, I don't see how they're similar. No, I'm just telling, I'm telling you like my progress, my progression of like my day where I was just, this is how I, how I had all the information come to me because then I was like, okay, what, what's going on here? Like, what is, you know, like there's an outrage for Pepsi. I get it. The ad agency will get fired because honestly, Pepsi shouldn't be trying to fix police brutality. You know, I mean, they, they should, but they should be doing it in a different way. They should not have a, they should not make a film where it's like, oh, Kardashian giving a cop a Pepsi and then everything is good in the world. Like, nah, I don't really think that's the, if I was the ad agent, like I'd be like, and somebody pitched it to me, I was like, so we're doing what? I was like, I, that's that's where my more confusion and anger is, is was nobody in the board meeting was there not one sassy black girl in that board meeting being like mm, no like is nobody hearing what everyone else was there not one person that was just smart enough to be like i don't think we should do this like that's where i'm more angry at too was just the, just the stupidity of it yes the message delivered was wrong but it was just are we still not that aware that even you just said it uh, a 40 year old white man had the much brain to be like i don't think this on paper sounds good let alone in live action that's where i think a lot of anger is too it's just are you that dumb Come on, guys, really? Like, are you that dumb? Even filming it, let alone a paper idea, filming it, editing it, no one had been, was like, 
damn, yeah, that Jenner really did end racism. Like, I just, I don't get it. <laughs> so that's more my anger was like, God, you people are dumb. Move on. Well, we talked about that. There were, there, uh, John Barr has an article on the website where he talks about Iron Fist and the backlash with Iron Fist and that it wasn't an Asian, portrayed by an Asian person. Then there was the, the whitewashing with Ghost in the Shell. I told him, because I deal with it in the comic book world, I was like, and they keep, they change races and they bring, they make a female character, a male, or a male character, a female character, and they, you know, they swap things around. But the real core issue is with the creative teams, the lack of diversity of the people actually creating the comic books, creating the films, or creating the ads is that if you had uh, some diversity in that editorial group, you know, or the management, whatever, whatever department you want to call it in, we saw it when they were talking about repealing and replacing Obamacare. They're talking about all the women issues and medical things. And you look in the room and there's a whole bunch of 65 year old white dudes going to fix the world for women. Like you, it's that kind of stuff that's going on. No. And that, that's what I will say is I, I don't love all the outrage over every little thing. Yes. Do we need this like Boston tea party version of throwing Pepsi into the like Yes, rivers? we do. No, I don't think so. But I do think what you just said is what comes from this outrage. Conversations are started of what is the root issue. Yes, this started off with, wow, this stupid Jenner handed a cop Pepsi. Stupid. But now you just brought up the point of we need to talk about the ad execs working in here being like, no, we need we need to diversify everything. Same thing with Iron Fist. So yes, as much as outrage initially is stupid, it does end up hopefully leading to conversations with enough smart people talking about it. Are we getting to a point with outrage fatigue? Because I feel like the whole Trump election, there was outrage for all that. And then we've been marching. And I've gotten to a point right now with the marches where I'm like, that's cute. But like, what are you doing to actually change what's going on because i i've been listening to a lot of television and a lot of radio and reading about all these different things of movements and how things work and stuff like that until you affect somebody financially nothing's going to change and that's more important now like you see that with bill o'reilly all the sponsors are bailing on bill o'reilly because of what's going on with him and the sexual assault allegations and that might actually change what's going on because you're taking money out of bill o'reilly or fox news's pocket and wow we're really getting political today uh but like this is all pop culture i was like oh i looked at the list i was like any one of those sponsors want to sponsor monkeys fighting robots we would be happy to take you and whatever you're giving bill o'reilly and see and then to kind of just go back to the pepsi things i don't think this is as level of that with pepsi i don't think we need to hurt and stab Pepsi. We just need to scold them and they learn their lesson, I hope. That's what more of this was about was a lesson learning. This wasn't damaging. This wasn't this wasn't Bill O'Reilly telling that old black lady that her wig looked like a James Brown wig, which he should have been punched in the face for that. <laughs> like, God do I hate him. I think there's a difference of that level too, where like I think this was a learning experience for Pepsi and hopefully Maybe, like you said, more diversity in that. No, we should just shut down Bill O'Reilly at all. All of Fox News. But yeah, that's let's not get that political. Let's get more. Let's get nerd ragey. Because I think we need a little bit of that. But that's what I'm trying to figure out is like. They're like in the world, there are there are bad things that happen. There are wars and then there's supposed to be peace. And I feel like we've just been at war the whole time with the nerd rage. And now that the political rage is starting to kick in, I'm like. 
Do I see a point in time when we're just going to be happy nerds? No. I I no, I don't think I don't think that's going to happen at all times ever. But cuz trust me, I think there's times where like there was a little less nerd rage and I think there's times where people get to enjoy things. I think a movie this is going to be a weird thing as violent as Logan was, I think everyone came together, no really nerd rage, no nerd baggage there and everyone was like, that was a good movie. And that's what I want to see more of and I think that's there. It just uh, we just need to find those moments, and it happens. I do think we are getting a little fatigued with being angry, and maybe that's a thing. But I also like passion. I don't want us to lose passion and fiery debates because I think that's awesome. I just think the level of anger and cynicism should leave and be more replaced with like a happy passion and more of like, well, yeah, I love this, and you love this. I don't mind the I don't mind the the fan war as long as it doesn't get like hurtful and i think that's the problem is we are still humans like we can all love different things and even talk about them even political nerd everything just just be a little bit more civil about it i think that's the lesson to be learned or at least be funny yeah be funny i think that's something to talk you know yeah there's there's ways to do this that we can still have this like anger like i love this i love this do it in a different way. Like there was just a, a video post where look how good late night hosts are doing because they're attacking politics in a more funny and interesting way where guys like Bill, like Bill Maher aren't doing as well anymore because they're just kind of being dicks. Okay. Well, Bill Maher is still, Oh wait, Bill Maher isn't doing good. Cause he's just being a dick. I know people aren't liking him as much and people are going to a lot of the Corbert stuff like Corbert for his comedy because of how he's presenting it, where Bill O'Reilly is just—I mean, Bill Maher. I'm like, the, just, I'm very confused on who we're talking about. No, right no, now. like, like, no, Bill Maher back to like comedy. It's just so funny that like we're just trying to do more funny, more chill. We don't need anger on both sides. Everyone just needs to be like funny and happy. Because I watch Bill Maher and I also watch Last Weekend Tonight, and I like both shows, and they're they're both comedians and they're funny. The the one art the one video that I saw is where they were where they were comparing the satirical comedians doing the political commentary to real journalists. And they were saying that real journalists have trouble calling bullshit where like comedians call bullshit like immediately. Yeah. But the only problem with comedians is sometimes they're not taken seriously. Um, so that's like the problem that we have with that too, is like if you make so many jokes before that one time it's like crying wolf, but opposite, like you say so many funny things. So as soon as you say something serious, people don't know to take you serious. Dave Chappelle, I think had that problem for a while as he had to literally go crazy, move to Africa to now be taken seriously as like an actual like human and a comedian. Uh, and I want one final thing on this, this Pepsi outrage. And I, I I'm not saying to not be outraged. I'm just saying that, like, we're doing these marches, we're doing this stuff, but, like, we need to figure out whatever that financial thing is to be, like, uh, I saw, we I, just to quote another article on Monkey Spider Robots, uh, Devin Kennedy did a review of Five Rabbits Brewery, and they're from Chicago, and their beer was in Trump Tower. And once Trump started saying all the crazy things, because... Uh, Five Rabbits is a Latin infused brewery. They start. They pulled all their beer out of Trump Tower that's in Chicago. Like there are actual physical things that you can do. Like if you're upset at Pepsi, like see what Pepsi owns, and then just don't buy that shit, and buy shit, and give people give money to where like you know it's going to a good place. Like Tom's is the the token thing where you, you buy a pair of Tom's shoes, they go to a homeless kid with no shoes. 
and he apparently has the same exact shoes you do. And that's kind of cool, isn't it? I don't know. That's weird. <laughs> I do. I definitely agree. And I, I just, like I said, I think we should also make sure we are scolding the right people and then hurting the right people. Like I said, I don't think Pepsi is the level of we need to go dig them in their pockets. I think they learned their lesson. I think this commercial backfired so hard and all their money they put into that commercial, they're done now. Like they paid that Jenner too much money for absolutely nothing now. Yeah, but we've all been talking about Pepsi for the week. Like it's been on the tip of the tongue and whether it's point of reference or how it is, I mean like with Coca-Cola, Pepsi, like do you why did they advertise in the first place? Everybody knows it and like everybody picks one. I mean like <laughs> I, I know the great Pepsi Coke debates of like the 80s and the 90s are gone. Like I don't know why we're still doing this. So, I mean, like, it's, I don't understand why, again, like, Pepsi and Coke spend so much money on advertising because you're going to pick one no matter what. And, and Ooh, except for the Coke holiday commercials. Let's never get rid of those. I'm a cynical human being, but damn it, do I love those polar bears hanging out and drinking a Coke. Can you say polar bear one more time for me? Polar bear. Polar, <laughs> sorry. I have a little bit of a homosexual lisp there sometimes. Ah, <laughs> uh, polar, the damn polar bear. Does it, wait, what does a polar bear mean to you? Nothing. I just like polar bears. Like, no, this isn't a gay thing about older men being hairy with white hair. God damn it, Matt. <laughs> oh, man. This is, uh, I, I wanted to talk about this because I'm now going to start using the podcast as my therapy where I'm going to talk about my problems of the week and EJ is going to listen and then tell me I'm an idiot. <laughs> I'm not telling you an idiot. I'm just telling you sometimes. Matt, you're so out of touch. You're so old. <laughs> No, no. Sometimes you just you're too Zen master for me. Like <laughs> sometimes I'm like you get angrier, and then I get you angry, and then I'm like never mind. I like happy Matt. <laughs> you know, when Facebook buys Snapchat, like you know, your whole millennial life is done, right? <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. So we probably should actually talk about the movies that we said that we were going to talk about at the beginning of this podcast. Well, yeah, yeah, we did say we were talking about movies, but period. <laughs> period, but we have not talked about any movies, period. Except for it. It we're both kind of excited about. I, I'm going to be so scared. It's going to be scared, Matt, watching that movie. Yeah, that was one of those things that I'm like, I'm going to get that press screener and be like, mm, but do I want to? <laughs> like, it's going to be fun to review, fun to watch, but do I want to do this to myself? But what we wanted to talk about today is the films that we're like really excited about and the films that we're kind of worried about and just kind of touch on a few of those. And for me, it was a tough list because there are films, there are big blockbusters coming out, big ones, big, huge Guardians of the Galaxy, Justice League, Wonder Woman, the superheroes are just going crazy. And I'm like, but I want to like talk about originality I want to try to find like what's going on here and there and like who's going to who's who's going to really get me excited in in the film world and it was tough going through the list. I I I really don't know what what's going to get me excited this year and this this could be just my year in general of me not being excited. Yeah, I think that's like the overall theme of this year so far for you. You're just kind of blasé about a lot of things. <sighs> you know, you shouldn't be a blasé podcast host. I mean, you know, this is this is interesting like Here's advice. Don't be a blase podcast host. You got to be entertaining. You got to be pumped up. Uh, so let's the the film that I'm I'm worried about because I like the franchise and I like the concept is Alien Covenant. 
I really like the first Alien, the second Aliens. There was a lot of cool stuff going on, uh, even in three, four, five, and six, and and you know even that other spinoff movie that came out. I mean, there was <gasps> AVP, even the best one ever. Uh, yes, and uh, Prometheus. That was the other one that came out, and. This one just looks like a reboot of the Aliens franchise, and I, that's why I'm worried. I, I The cast, I'm like, uh, James Franco. I, I like you, James Franco, but I don't like you in my sci-fi films. He's going to die quickly. I don't think we need to worry about James Franco in that movie too, too much. Like Guy Pierce. Guy Pierce is a, I like that guy. That guy can be in any of my sci-fi films or action films. I'm, I'm with Guy Pierce. And then Danny McBride, I, I think that his name is Tennessee. Is it? This is where things bother me in the world. Because I'm like, oh, his name is Tennessee. Like, did he go to Tennessee too, I think? Because T.M. Powell and him are friends. And I think they both went to Tennessee. They went to one of the southern colleges. And I'm just like, really? Like, you're going to really stretch to be a southern guy? Like, come on, act for me, man. No, he is one I'm definitely the most worried about in that film. I'm very excited for it. I've liked every Alien movie, even at their worst with, like, Alien Resurrection. Still enjoy it. I think they're fun. They're, they're nothing I really look forward to because, trust me, I'm not even an Aliens fan. I like Alien far more than Aliens. But, no, this one I, I'm okay for. But Danny McBride was the one I'm worried about. And then he's also doing Halloween that's coming out in 2018. So this is going to be my test for him. I'm like, how are you going to do in this genre? Please don't mess this up. I think the movie's going to look pretty. I think there's going to be... Michael Fassbender is going to be interesting as the android. Uh, I'm saying that Danny McBride survives the film. I'm calling out him and then the main girl. You know, they're going to... Those are going to be the two to survive. Everybody else is dead. Um, I think it's going to look pretty, but I think it's going to be just a very stereotypical film. And it's not going to add to the Aliens universe. And that's what I was hoping Prometheus was going to do is kind of like okay, these are the aliens, but this is the rest of the world and we're going to find other thing that's going... Because it's still humans, aliens, and then the giant guy. Like, they're... I, they're why can't we have other, un, other races going on? Like, I would really like it if there was an aliens film where there was, like, you got the alien monster, but then there was actually other people from different planets that were... There's creativity. I want to see imagination, and I'm just getting humans. Um, well, I know they're going to bring in the Neomorph, which is another version of the Xenomorph. Uh, they still do have engineers that they have. I do think they're building their own universe, and I think people hate Prometheus because it slowed down the universe building. Because it basically, if Prometheus was going to be a trilogy leading up to the first Alien movie in the 70s, Prometheus is the first of that trilogy. And I still think we have to build to where we're going. I want to see what they're doing because I think they're slowly but surely building a decent universe. This is definitely going to be make or break for that franchise is this part two of the prometheus thing then yeah um yeah absolutely because uh numi um rapace is supposed to be in it as well who was in prometheus same thing with michael fassbender's android he was just the severed head at the end of prometheus he's as well in this and he's also another android because basically the michael fassbender android is like the default android you can right buy, now so you can buy one of those yes so i so no there's definitely connections to prometheus so they're still building this universe it's just not exactly how everyone wants this universe to be built i just saw the trailer i mean i there, i saw a few trailers but i saw the one trailer where like the people go outside and they're like oh look at all the vegetation blah, blah. i don't see a single animal i was like yeah you're fucked like get back in the ship leave like it's <laughs> and that's where i think it's just gonna be a stereotypical like kill them aliens you know survival movie 
Oh, see, I think there's going to be so much more because Numi replaces the one who has now planted that wheat, possibly, or Michael Fassbender's David, I think his robot was in the last one. I do think he is also helping this land. He was also pretty evil in Prometheus, so he could still be working against them trying to create because there is a new xenomorph in this film called the neomorph you can see him quickly in the trailer he's more white compared to the xenomorphs being a black uh so yeah there there's definitely going to be i think some more interesting things to this and i hope it's not what you said i hope this goes back to prometheus and they give us a more think piece sci-fi thing like you know really heavy thinking well that's why i'm worried about it <laughs> well I, I i i understand it i understand it now let's listen to what film EJ is worried about. I know I definitely relate to being worried about a franchise because my number one most worried movie about, and I know people are going to be shocked, I'm really worried about Justice League. I know I'm personally going to love it, especially seeing that trailer. I was just like, oh boy, this is exactly what I was hoping for. But that's what I'm scared is, is it's exactly what I was hoping for. And I think that's going to scare off most of the general public once again. You know, I put a moratorium on bashing Justice League until it comes out on monkeys fighting robots because we had our conversation about nerd rage last week. And I was like, you know what? We need to just put more positive vibes out in the world because I'm not worried about Justice League. I think Justice League is going to be what Justice League is. And I'm I'm excited for it. I Like, it's dark and you see giant monster, you see giant armies here and there. And I'm like... I told Larry, I was like, listen, Larry, if this movie is just pure action of the heroes fighting a giant army from Darkseid's world, I'd be perfectly fine with that. Like, that's what I want. I mean, that's what people want because they said there was not enough action in Batman v Superman. What? So Who now I definitely. That? Huh? That's a, that's a complaint that there wasn't enough action in Batman v Superman? Well, oh, oh my God, of course, because like the first two hours are just a lot of like Bruce Wayne being angry here. Here's Clark Kent investigating slightly. Here's Clark Kent sucking at his job as a reporter. Like, there's a lot before the action in Batman v Superman. Um, so, which I don't personally, I don't mind. And so that's something I do. I'm worried that Justice League will also change a lot of what they did and try to make a more action, straightforward action piece. And I really like the actors in this film. So there's things I'm worried about. As, as personally, as excited as I am, I'm worried about the whole general reaction of this movie. Because this is definitely going to be make or break. Uh, I After Batman v Superman and the really like mediocre Suicide Squad, this, this, this definitely could hurt him. Because Wonder Woman, we'll talk about that a little bit later. I don't think we're too worried about her. But Justice League is the one that is really going to hurt this franchise or help it. It's definitely going to be one of those things where I don't know how the world is going to work if Justice League bombs. And that's why I think I'm trying to put out as many good vibes as possible with this film because I want them to make more films. That's what I want. I want them to make more films. I want to see Green Lantern. I want to see... Flash. I want to see Aquaman. I don't. Know. I don't think I really want to see Aquaman. <laughs> but you know, I mean, like, I want to see this universe expand. And if Justice League falters, this is that'll probably be it. They'll probably just be like, "Yeah, we're done. Enjoy." And I hope. Or that's why they're setting up their heavy Batman universe because once again, Batman always saves that franchise. And I think that's why they're building a lot of the Gotham Sirens. Okay, Batman doesn't save the franchise. They've only made Batman films. Yeah, they've only made Batman films because that's the only movies that have ever 
banked. They tried to do Superman, especially like 80s Superman didn't really work well. They tried with the uh, Superman Returns, and I think like mid-2000s didn't do well. Catwoman, Jonah Hex, Green Lantern. None of these – I know they're not really great films, but nothing's ever connected as much as Batman does. And look at the animated universe. They cannot make an animated movie without shoehorning Batman into it somehow, some way, or making it a Batman movie. But that's lack of creativity. Well, yeah. Well, he's a crutch of that franchise. And yes, that is a lack of creativity. But he is what the audience loves the most. He's the most recognizable DC face now. And yeah, that's that's the problem I have is he's going to be the crutch. So if Justice League doesn't work. They're still going to have the Batman universe they're going to do because people do like Batfleck. You know, he wasn't a hated human being. So I definitely think they won't mind seeing his universe expanded on. They announced the Batgirl movie with Josh Whedon. Can't believe we haven't talked about that yet. Mind blowing for me. I just was like, well, thank you for coming over to the dark side. Literally. I don't believe I don't believe it. I, I don't believe it until like we get like the first day of filming. That that is true. It's one of those things that I'm like, because especially Whedon, he's infamous for being like, mm, I don't like this anymore, so I'm gonna leave. So we'll see. But I definitely think Whedon Whedon is made for a Batgirl movie as as long as we don't get this like like Michael Bendis Batman Batgirl relationship we've been getting. I am happy without that. Because have you seen the previews for Batman and Harley Quinn movie? What? There's a Batman Harley Quinn animated movie coming oh. out. Harley rapes Nightwing. Like I, it, it's mind blowing of what's happening over there. I, I don't understand what they're doing with the with the animated universe of DC. And people are like, "Oh, it's awesome!" Like it was awesome, and then it took a dark turn. And I have no clue what's going on with the with the animated universe. So that's it's just so crazy that like I, I'm so curious of what this whole DC franchise will do after Justice League. That's why I'm, I'm just scared. And I think it's going to be more of that. It'd be very interesting for people to hear who follow us on the website, especially me, that I'm worried about Justice League because I am a realist. I understand that people don't like this. I, I get it. I like them. So I want to see more of them. And I just want this to do well. Hey, Chad, what 2017 film are you most excited for? Comment on this podcast, please. Matt and EJ don't pay me enough. Let's talk about the happy stuff. <laughs> oh, because I love your list. Like, I went for a more obvious choice of mine. There's other ones that, like I said, I told you, Mary Magdalene movie I'm excited for. But yours, yours is good, awesome, like, fairly original content. And that's what it, I really enjoy is I enjoy creativity. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I opened up a comic book store. It's one of the reasons why I started Monkeys Fighting Robots is so that we can, like, celebrate original content. And I, some of this stuff is original. Some of this is based off of stuff, but it's still, I think we're going to see stuff for the first time. And like Dark Tower, I'm intrigued for. Atomic Blonde, I had no clue they were making it until I saw the first trailer. And then I was like, oh my God, this is awesome. 90s action, can't wait for it. But my number one film that I'm most excited for, because I think this is going to be creativity on steroids, is Valyrian. In the city of a thousand planets. This movie is so colorful. It reminds me of Speed Racer, which I thoroughly enjoyed at the IMAX theater on Navy Pier in Chicago. And I just can't wait to see all the colors, all the crazy worlds that they are going to create. I really love Luke Benson. I love, I think he's an amazing director. And I think he's amazing, like when it comes to creativity and creating just 
crazy looking aliens, which even if they have rubber faces on and look like dogs, I still like. Well, Luke, like Luke Benson's crazy from Leon the Professional, Fifth Element, even Lucy. I think Lucy's kind of one of these like very hit or miss. Either you love it or you just absolutely despise it. I'm on the love it category. So, yeah, I, I truly, really have faith in him, especially what he does with models turned actress. He has Cara DeVigliere, who, as we saw in Suicide Squad, isn't the strongest actress. But I definitely think he can bring something out with her like he did with Mila Jovovich in The Fifth Element. Uh, Dane DeHaan's in it. This this is one I'm 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 a little bit worried about though because of how crazy it looks, and I don't know if this is going to scare people off because I don't remember what the Fifth Element's first initial reaction was. Did people instantly fall in love with it, or did it gain a cult classic following? Uh, you know, I just went to the theater to go see it right away. I just I saw it. And I was like. Oh, sci-fi. I'm I'm with you. You got me. And I was like, oh, Bruce Willis doing sci-fi? Even better. And I was like, who's this new girl on the scene? And then, you know, it's... Ah, and it, it, I just remember liking it and watching it over again and then buying it on DVD. And, or was it DVD? Yes, it was DVD. That was probably like early... Uh, like that Or no, was it like tape? Early. I'm trying to figure out if it was on tape. That was probably like mid, like 95, 94. So yeah, probably tape. And then I think DVD was big in like 98, 99. No, no, and I definitely that's that's the only thing I'm worried about is I think this is going to have a cult following no matter what, even if it does well at the box office, even if it, you know, is really critically well liked. It's gonna have this really niche following that's gonna get really passionate behind it, like all of the Luke Benson movies. So I'm just gonna be curious of to see if this does kind of cross over to a big mainstream appeal. This is interesting that Fifth Element, I went to Hopped on Rotten Tomatoes and back in because I feel like it was like ninety it was I have to say 94. No, I was not in California at that time. So Fifth Element was 1997. So this is right around the internet had just arrived. Rotten Tomatoes has 59 reviewers for the Fifth Element, and it's 71% on Fifth Element. And then let's just go to Batman v Superman, and so we can see how many... Don't do this to me. Reviewers chimed in for Batman v Superman. Don't do this to me. Because it is insane how much. I'm triggered. You just learned about this last week. I'm triggered. Please don't bring up Rotten Tomatoes, Batman v Superman. 354 people reviewed on Rotten Tomatoes. Like there are now. So back in 97, there was 71 film critics. And now there are 354 that are verified on Rotten Tomatoes in 2016. Oh my God. That's, that's such a crazy idea, which that's a whole, that's a discussion for a whole, whole different podcast is, is there too many critics? Oh yes. Everybody has a voice. And again, part of a, part of a monkey's fighting robots has a voice now. So, I mean, part of me wants to be like, yeah, all you need to shut up and just listen to us. No. And I'd be like, I don't really, it's, it's weird. It's just, I think there's, ah, that's a tough that's a tough debate because I have a journalistic background. So I have an internal moral compass of the rights and wrongs of journalism. And there are some people that start websites and, and become critics and they don't have that internal moral compass. And that's where you end up dealing with shit. Which is so funny because I come from a film school background where we're taught in class that critics are the devil. Right? Yeah. We are taught literally to not trust you guys, to not listen to them. And then it's so funny as I'm slowly becoming a critic and I'm like, I don't, this is so, I'm so like morally torn of like, 
you know, critics sometimes like I wrote a whole like article of critics hurt the movie Showgirls and it ended up becoming a really well-loved movie later on. So it's just so funny that it's like what the power a critic can have. And that's what I'm worried about. Like a Valerian city of like the thousand planets is will the critics get it enough that it will help it or will it hurt it? Cause that's going to be one that's going to be definitely make or break. Cause it doesn't have that like ghost in the show innate, like following already. I think it's going to build it like a guardians of the galaxy kind of did. So I'm, I'm curious. Also, it looks a lot like guardians of the galaxy volume two. And I think that's what's going to like, I think they're coming out really close to each other. Showgirls only had 40 net, 48 people review the film. I mean, we're going farther back with Showgirls because I worked at it at 95 is when that came out. I worked at a video store and I remember when like Showgirls came out, they, they actually sent out a screener, like a, a like a 15 minute clip VHS. So we got like hundreds of those and then like we took up a whole wall and people could just take those home for free and watch 15 minutes of Showgirls. And I think everybody thought it was just going to be straight up porn. I don't know what they, I, it's, it was such a weird, like, like I remember hearing like all the craziness about Showgirls and, and then it just came out and people were like, oh, it sucks. And then it just kind of disappeared. And then Elizabeth Berkeley never did anything again. Well, and see, that's what, like, you know, to kind of plug in, you plugged other articles, I'll plug my own. That was my thing is I wasn't, a, like, I was alive, but I wasn't really aware of the, the impact Showgirls had. So I found it at, like, 16 on, like, Showtime one night and was like, this movie is genius. Like, this is so intelligent. This is so smart. I love this. And then I'm, like, Googling and I'm like, everyone hates this movie? <laughs> Why? And now, you know, then to see that everyone really doesn't hate the movie and Quentin Tarantino loves it. And there's just, it's just really funny of, like, what critics do and i definitely think that's going to be a big thing this year is the power of critics and do they even matter sometimes if something is as beloved nerdy wise well the the writer did flash dance and he also did basic instinct and, With the, Paul and the director did basic instinct as well and so there was all the hype for it and then also i came from the saved by the bell era and Elizabeth Berkeley, that ended, and we're like, oh, she's going to reveal all. And it just and she it, revealed all. It had a huge, it had huge hype. That's what that movie, like that movie had so much. Because I, like, when did Striptease come out? Because that came out too. Striptease came after, and it bombed because of Showgirls. Trust me, I am like, I'm like a book of Showgirls. Like, do you want to know what happened post Showgirls life to everybody? Yeah. Uh, but I just remember it, you know, lots of hype before it coming up and then it came out and it was like, and then it just disappeared. And then like you said, you know, your generation is now starting to discover showgirls and it starts popping up and people are like, Hey, showgirls. And I'm like, I don't really know what you're talking about people. <laughs> Which have you, have you've never seen showgirls? No, I've seen showgirls. Oh, I was about to say, I was about to say your Elizabeth Berkeley crush must have been mind blown by like. Well, there's a lot of her body that I did not expect to see today. She's a tall girl. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was the most I'm married response I've ever heard. Yep, she's a she's a tall person. No, no, but Jesse Spano <laughs> lost me when she tripped out taking uppers and downers in high school. <laughs> wow. Can this become a Saved by the Bell like <laughs> podcast? Like, Can we just recap every season? That's what we should do. <laughs> we might get more listeners if we do that. Uh <laughs> But no, let's go back to Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets because everybody needs to go support this because it's going to be a very creative film. Uh, I'm not super excited about the two leads. 
probably because they're it's not my Bruce Willis of the day, um, and it's a bunch of millennial Pete kids. But Rihanna's in it. Her her name in this film is Bubble. Uh, I don't know why they couldn't give her an S for Bubbles. I feel like that's how the name should go. Uh, John Goodman is just a voice in this film, and then it has Ethan Hawke, Clive Owen, Rucker Hauer, and then Herbie Hancock. Like that's token. Luke Benson, because he's like, you know what? We just need to have Herbie Hancock in this film because we can. Well, same thing with Rutger Hauer. That's a, that's a, such a good choice. Like, what a great actor he is. And is he going to be in the Blade Runner movie? Because I, I, I want him to make a cameo somehow in that. I think he is. But, like, this is going to be creativity. Go see it. This is my big sales pitch. I'll be sales pitching it until it comes out in the film to make sure that you're aware about it. July 21st, 2017. Hopefully the planet will still be around then, but like go see Valerian in the city of a thousand planets. That was a beautiful sales pitch for that movie. <laughs> I was already kind of on board for it, especially because uh, Dane DeHaan is my like number like three man crush right now. So I like it, but I'm I'm going to do a sales pitch for a movie that doesn't need to be sales pitched because it's been pitched a lot, but it's Wonder Woman. Like if I'm going to be the most excited for any movie, it has to be Wonder Woman. Like, I've waited my entire short gay life for this movie. I can't believe she didn't get a movie in the Linda Carter era of Wonder Woman, other than maybe like a hour, 30-minute TV movie or something. But I, this is this is it. This is what I've been waiting for as a comic book fan, as a LGBT fan. Like, there's just there's just so much to this that I'm I'm waiting for and I've been I've been dying for it. I is she the first major other than we're gonna cancel out Supergirl in the 80s. Is she the first major female superhero with a movie? If you're canceling out Elektra and Catwoman. Oh, oh, well, uh, Catwoman. Oh, yeah, I guess she was a hero in that movie. And Elektra. Fuck, I, for- I always forget Elektra exists. Is that worse than Daredevil? Yeah, it's worse than Daredevil. Okay, okay. I, I, I don't remember either one of those too well, so I had to remember which one was worse. But no, I think Wonder Woman is one of the biggest, at least the biggest names in the female superhero role to get a movie. And this I don't is, know, how can you not be excited? This is one thing that DC is getting right before Marvel as far as a lead female character in a series. Like, I don't understand how we haven't gotten a uh, Black Widow movie. I don't. She is like the number one. Like it's, it's so funny that list. It's like Captain America, like uh, Tony Stark, and then it's like Black Widow. It's like the three most popular Avengers. And how did she not get one? Especially when Josh Whedon was on board with them, he should have got the Black Widow solo movie. It would have been an awesome episode of Buffy that I've been dying for. So yeah, he would have been perfect. And I, I'm so glad that DC's doing Wonder Woman so quickly. And it makes sense though. You really can't do a DC world. Without Wonder Woman, she is part of the Holy Trinity. Yeah, I, that was. I was sitting there. I'm like, if he doesn't say Trinity, I'm going to say Trinity as soon as it gets done, because it is Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman, and that's that's where it starts and goes from there. And and yeah, it has been a long time. I mean, part of me, like you were, you were kind of bashing the Superman films um, in the 80s, the, the later ones. I will Quest for Peace and the one with Richard Pryor. Come on, one and two are okay. <laughs> but no, but just in, just in general, um, you know, even if you hold the, any of the one and two against the films of today, uh, graphically and special effects wise, like they can't do anything to them. So, I mean, I'm glad that on the on one hand, they waited a little bit longer to do some of these films because now we have the technology to see really pretty shit. No, I agree 100%. Yes, because 
I I couldn't imagine having to see Linda Carter's Wonder Woman and then be like, well, this is all I have for 20 years, basically. Like, oh, but no, they, they definitely waited the right amount of time. And I think they got the right actress. This is the right director, especially. I'm a huge Patty Jenkins fan. I was really happy she was supposed to do a Thor movie and she got booted off of Thor. And then she, you know, she did Monster, which won Charlize Theron an Academy Award. She's a great director and is really going to add something to this. I have only good things to say about this film because it has my actor in it. It has a it has an Indiana Jones esque feel because it's in that time period. Chris Pine, uh, that's my that's like my man crush here, and I love that group of war hero kind of drama thing because it's going to be Wonder Woman and a group of fighters, you know, kind of Rogue One esque ish where you have like a a mishmash of mutts coming together to fight off the Nazis. And I'm just like, ah, oh. and then you're going to be like, oh, look, it's Ares that got a war at the end. Big fight. Yay. Which I'm, you know, I'm so happy they're going the Ares route. Cause one, if you really look at like the Wonder Woman, like villain list, it's like, I didn't want Cheetah to be your first solo film. Oh, that would have been awesome. (laughs) It would have been awesome if it was like 2004 and we were getting campy superhero movies like that, where it would have been just um, Catwoman again. But no, no, I'm glad it's Ares. I'm glad they're going the Zeus route with her. They're definitely building a great universe here. And if the rest of the DCEU fails, please let Wonder Woman stay because they're building something great here. Have we confirmed it's Ares? Um, it's, it's one of those things, um, I don't want to get too crazy with it, but like the toy fair of 2017 did display his toy. It was next to the Chris Pine Wonder Woman toys. It's obvious. Um, was it, but at, was it, it next to the Danny Houston toy? Now that is the problem that has been coming up is that's now Aries has basically been confirmed, but no one knows who Aries is. Is it Danny Houston or there's another actor whose name keeps popping up as, um, Aries, but I think he'll be the CGI when Aries is probably more Aries looking than what Danny Houston to do. And then that's when I'll get worried because we saw Suicide Squad. I yes, I, I'm worried about that, but I, I def, something about this, I, I I don't have as much fear, and I think that's what's maybe also worrying me is like we're what like with uh, Justice League is I'm scared of how the the reception's going to be, not the movie itself, but more of the reception where Wonder Woman. I'm like, oh, everything's going to be fine. I I just. I, I'm my guards let down. I'm kind of less cynical. I'm more happy, and I'm I'm really excited for it because I definitely think w- it's more so the director, the writer, Zack Snyder is a little bit further away from this than the other ones. Like you know, th- this might work out. Oh, that's your boy. Uh, well, with <laughs> <laughs> he is, but I'm all, I'm also smart. I also know that Zack Snyder has a Zack Snyder ness to him that he didn't need to add to this. What is awesome about this film, Wonder Woman, is that this film has weight to it. Where, like, Batman v Superman doesn't have weight because I know Superman died, but he is not going to die. Like, my whole thing is watching Chris Pine kamikaze to save everybody and dying. Uh, You know, like, everybody else in this film, Robin Wright, you know, uh, Queen Hippolyte, or Hippolytus. Hippolyta. Hippolyta. It has Connie Nelson up here, and my brain just sees Brigitte Nelson. Like, it's rewriting the script. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> you, if, damn, is she not the best Amazon? It's like her <laughs> and Grace Jones. If they don't make cameos as random Amazons, you're missing out, guys. Uh, but, but, and anybody is expendable in this world. 
except for Wonder Woman. And so I think this film has some weight to it that we're not going to get from the other films like Spider-Man, Guardians of the Galaxy, Thor, Justice League. It's stereotypical things are going to happen in those films where in Wonder Woman, because it's in the past and in World War One, a lot of people are going to die and your hearts are going to get broken, but they're also going to rise up when Wonder Woman kicks some ass. And she made it a point that she was retired in Batman v Superman. Something kind of made her leave wanting to do this. And I definitely, that's what you said. It's, it's that weight. Even if it was a quick line that she said in Batman v Superman, to me, that instantly made Wonder Woman a more serious film because there was something to care about. And yeah, obviously, Chris Pine's not going to live. Like, he's not in the Batman v Superman time period. So it's going to be, you know, interesting to see if he dies off now or if they do a love saga with him. I'm really curious because I'm maybe the only thing I'm worried about is I really don't want this, like, epic, like, Romeo and Juliet love story kind of thing. But I think they could work well together. I'm just hoping it's not going to be like Agent Carter where she's alive at 102 for five more movies. Oh, yeah. I don't need him to be, like in all that bad makeup just to die off in one movie for her to be sad. Oh yeah. No, no, let, let the actually, yeah. Kamikaze <laughs> kill himself for everyone here, but yeah, this one's, this one should be really, really fun. I think this is going to grab people who normally wouldn't see a superhero film. I think this is going to hit like, like a Logan did this year. What community, what communities are going to come out of the woodwork? Oh, I definitely think people who like war films, because this is being marketed as a pretty heavier war film, because I showed my stepfather this movie, who's not really into superhero films. He likes them occasionally, but he saw this and was like, that looks pretty badass, like the trench scene. I think if they focus a lot on that, people are going to be like, this looks like a, an actual war movie. So I think, I think it'll get some interesting people in. It's going to bring that feminist aspect in. As much as they complain that um, Wonder Woman doesn't have armpit hair, they'll still watch it. It'll be interesting, like you brought in your dad in the war aspect of it, and then you got the feminist aspect, and then the gay community is going to come out and support like mass. Like it's it's going to be massive. Absolutely, that's what I think. This this is touching on different things that you know, and this is also she, um, Gal Gadot. That's a huge Israeli actress. That's a different market there because Israeli they love her. She was a military war veteran and then won Miss Israel. Like she knows what she's doing. This is definitely touching a du- bunch of different people that I think this this might be one of the best of the year. And it also has a like you said with Israel, but it's going to have a huge international following. Be- oh, absolutely, especially being set in England. Yeah, set in England, but like. That'll be. I wonder how they're going to do that introduction because her old outfit is based off of the United States flag because they wanted her to fit in to the United States when she came over. So oh, I am curious about that because I I don't know if we're gonna because it looked like in the trailer she does have her classic more Themyscarin looking outfit. So I don't know if she'll evolve over time because now I'm trying to think if her outfit she had a little bit of a red, white, and blue outfit on on her. Uh, Batman they've, v Superman. They've got one, the red but... and the blue, and they added the yellow. They're they're definitely not going to do the star pants. I mean, I get that. I understand that. <laughs> Which th- those those are things that people like source material. I'm like, mm, I'm glad. I'm glad we're stretching away from source material there. I don't need America flag Wonder Woman. <sighs> Why do you hate America, man? Because <laughs> I have Captain America for his Puerto Rican inspired outfit. Basically, I love that meme. That's my favorite thing. Is his outfit is literally just the Puerto Rican flag. Oh, man, you you kids and your memes. You love your memes. Uh, now you got me making them because we both have video series now. And you're like, Matt, you got to make your featured image more exciting. 
And I was like, oh, look, a tiger. Which I loved your thumbnail for, <gasps> oh, look, it's a tiger. <laughs> uh, if you haven't checked out our YouTube page lately, uh, EJ and I are both making videos. EJ is covering movies and I'm covering zombies, which is weird because it probably should be the opposite direction. But uh, yeah. <laughs> but I'm loving your Walking Dead stuff, so I, I I'm glad you're covering zombies as much as I I think I like your recaps more than I like the show itself. <laughs> and then uh, this week you're covering uh, the Quentin Tarantino Grindhouse, aren't you? Absolutely, that should be up this weekend for sure. Probably around the same time the podcast goes up. I'm gonna aim for that. Yeah, I'm definitely. Is Robert Rodriguez Quentin Tarantino Grindhouse? Come on, it's the 10 year anniversary of one of my favorite movies and what got me into exploitation. Yeah, can't wait. And I'm rereading uh, the two trades that season seven was based on for The Walking Dead. And you know what's awesome is you need to read them now because now I have Jeffrey Dean Morgan as the voice of Negan when I read it in my head. And it's the most amazing thing ever. And I didn't realize how word for word he was in the, from the comic books because it had been a while because they're on like 165 now. But I'm rereading those and then I'm going to and just talk about all those really cool scenes because that whole scene where Carl comes in and he makes him take the eye, you know, shows his eye and makes him dance, like, that's all straight from the comic book. And it's so good now that I have Jeffrey D. Morgan's voice in my head. That's what I like about some of these adaptations of, like, seeing a comic book and then hearing a live, you know, seeing live action and then going back to the comic book. You They get more character to them. I think that's so awesome that if now, if anything, everyone who reads Walking Dead will now hear Jeffrey Dean Morgan. That's a great voice to read in. Hi, EJ. You have a good weekend. Thank you so much. Can't wait to film this video and see your next Walking Dead video. Yay. Hey, Matt, we survived another episode. Oh, no! Once again, there are several ways to continue the conversation after the show. Follow us on Twitter at monkeys underscore robots. You can look at all our silly photos on Instagram at monkeys fighting robots. You can follow me on Twitter at Matthew Sardo. My co-host EJ is also on Twitter at EJ Christ with a K. The biggest compliment we receive is when the subscriber number goes up on Blog Talk Radio. If you have a chance, we would greatly appreciate a review of our show on iTunes. As always, the best way to listen to the show is on our website, monkeysfightingrobots.com. Okay, Lunchbox, let's try this again. There are so many people that made the 117th episode of Monkeys Fighting Robots a success. Special shout out to my co-host, EJ Marino. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, I'm glad you're not having to put up with me anymore because we're having to put up with each other with our millennial Gen Xer debates. I know. I think our cycle is on the same cycle now, and we're both grumpy at the same times. It's perfect. Uh, we're like high school girls. Our cycles are synced. <laughs> Jeff Shade is creator of our amazing intros and outros. Jessica Wynn designed the Monkeys Fighting Robots logo. Are you a monkey? Are you a robot? The staff of Visual Realm built our website and keeps us up and running. To all my friends, family, and the interweb, thank you very much for your support. I'm Matt Sardo, and this is Monkeys Fighting Robots. Huge savings on new and previously leased furnishings. That's right, huge savings. At Court Furniture Clearance Center, choose from our wide variety of new and previously leased furniture and decor for your home or office. You'll find sofas from $199.99 and more. Everything in our 9,000 square foot showroom is Court certified, guaranteed, and in stock. Ready for delivery or to take home today. Visit our Chandelier Court Furniture Clearance Center at 13946 Lee Jackson Memorial Highway or go online at courtclearancefurniture.com. Mention Radio 20 and get 20% off. Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. 
I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.